morning, I want to talk to you a bit. If you were joining us last night on the, uh, on the prayer minute, I talked a little bit about standing in the gap. There's a couple times that I've, I've brought those up. And so with that, I, I've named this morning Standing in the Gap. We're going to be looking at Ezekiel 22, chapters 23 through 31, mostly closer to the 30 verse is what we're going to focus on. But this morning I want to encourage us to step up and take a stand to protect the integrity of God's people, His Word, and the church. We're in a, we're in a pretty awesome time of life right now. Uh, unprecedented times where I don't think any of us, as I mentioned last week, have been on. And, and so it's an opportunity again for the church. And this is just something the Lord keeps stirring in my heart. and hurting. We've got an opportunity, church, to sit in the front row tonight, to take the lead, to take the lead that we should be taking this entire time anyway, to take the lead that the disciples and the apostles took in Acts. That's where we should be today. We shouldn't be sitting on the back row saying, well, I guess that's okay. Church, if it's not okay with God, it shouldn't be okay with us. Amen. And that's the real truth. They call the football the, the sport. And let me tell you what, just on a real side note, I'm really missing sports. I mean, it's bad when I'm watching 1996 finals for the basketball, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm cheering because I can't remember what happens. I really need sports back in my life. But, but they call football the, the gridiron war, right? And, and they, you have two, two lines. You have an offensive line. You have a defensive line. And, and they yell, fill the gap. And they do that so that the opposing team can't either get to the quarterback or that you, the running back can get through the hole, right? And so you won't let the offense be, break the line, I should say. It's kind of an imitation of, of real war in which there's times when holes are knocked in the fortress walls and someone needs to step up and fill that breach to keep the enemy from pouring in. Spiritually speaking, we are engaged in a constant spiritual battle. I think that today, even more so, this church, is the church in a whole, this whole, whole or pandemic situation, this whole situation of, of panic and chaos and fear, uh, it, it's, can I tell you, it's a spiritual warfare this morning. It's something that we need to stand up, church, and say, hey, like Trev said, it's okay. You don't need to be afraid. You know why? I know a name. I know somebody who's got this all under control. And you know what? Like last week, why don't you come join me in the shelter where I'm hanging out during all of this? Yes. We need to step up, church, and fill the gap for our family, for our communities, for our nation, and for our world. We need to be the church that God wants us to be. Not that we think we should be. Not that what makes us the best numbers. Not what gets, gives us the most views on Facebook. No, who God has called us to be. And he's looking for a church that will stand in the gap for the nations. Stand in the gap for the people. That's who he's looking for. We see that in Ezekiel 22. In this specific part of the chapter, God is not happy with Israel, not at all. Israel has gone wayward. They've gone way off track. They're doing their own thing. They're involved in their own idol worship. They're, they're participating in all kinds of things that God is not happy with. Sound familiar? They're in big trouble spiritually. 
They're losing the battle and they're drifting further and further away from God. And God calls attention to their problems. Have you ever stopped and thought maybe this is a call of attention? Yes. Maybe not to the world, but to the church. Maybe this is a call specifically designed for the church to step up and take their place where they ought to be taken. Yes. And God calls attention to many of their problems and, and, he, and failures. And he makes the point that they don't need to be destroyed. There's another option here. But you're going towards the, towards the part where you get destroyed. You're going to a spot where you won't be able to come back from. And if someone doesn't step up and build a wall and step in the gap, guess what? It's gonna, they're going to be destroyed. Ezekiel 22.30 says this, and this is the Lord speaking. I looked for a man among them who would build the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. This verse is a reference to an earlier warning that is in 13.5 where God says, You have not gone up to, to the breaks in the wall to repair it for the house of Israel so that it will stand firm in the battle on the day of the Lord. God's already given them warning prior to this time. Has he not given us a warning prior to today? Yes. Has he not said, hey, uh, America, hey, world, hey, church, wake up. Yes. I'm trying to get, listen, I'm the most merciful and graceful God there will ever be and has ever been today. But you're testing my patience. I cannot continue to condone the things that you're doing. Because see, with sin, there's what? Punishment. Yes. That's God. That's the way it's been since the garden. And He's not going to change just because we live in 2020 today. Israel was in fact destroyed. It was leveled. And the people were led off captive. And today we find ourselves in the very close situation to Israel. We find ourselves in a, in a very similar immoral condition. Can I tell you, church, America can expect the exact same thing to happen. We're no better than Israel was back in Ezekiel's day. We are no better. We're not, just because we have the technology to do what we're doing today, just because we've come up with ideas how to make all these, these wonderful technological advances and medical advances, we are no better than the day that Israel stood. Let me tell you what, if God wiped out his own people, what makes us think we're any better? Amen. Church, I got a question. Are you willing to step up and fill the gap? Yes. That's the overlying theme. Because let me just really quick before we get into this, if you're willing to take and fill the gap, guess who's going to get nailed with the rocks? Guess who's going to get nailed with the arrows? Guess who's going to get nailed with things that the people behind you aren't going to? Yeah, you called it us. Those who are willing to stand in the gap. But let's consider how, how any one of us might step up to fill the gap in, in the spiritual line of defense. A lot of times people will look at things and they'll say that something needs to be done. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to change this nation. We've got to go out and change this nation. And the immediate, immediate reaction is, but that's not my job. That's not my job to do that, but it needs to happen. 
And so the, the hole goes unfilled. And before we get too much into the concept of holes and a spiritual difference, I'd like to spend a moment, just a few minutes, on us. And maybe ask ourselves, how come we haven't stepped into the hole yet? How come we haven't stepped into the, the broken wall yet? Let me tell you about balancing gifts and needs. Right? When it's not your talent, can I tell you it's still a need? If it's not something you can fit into, can I tell you it's still a need? Moses said, it's not my gift. I don't speak well. Send someone else. What'd God do? God wanted him to go. Jonah said, it's not my gift. I'm not that kind of passionate person to go and preach the gospel and warn ungodly people. But God wanted him to go. Jeremiah said, it's not my gift. I'm too young to serve in such a way. But God wanted him to go. And Gideon said, huh, it's not my gift. I'm a nobody. But God wanted him to go. Amen. Most of us feel the same way. It's not my job. It's not my gift. Others are better suited. But can I tell you this morning, God wants us to go. And he's willing to use anyone that is willing to step into God. Where's the hole? Where's the gap at today? Where do I need to stand today, Lord? Where do I need to serve today? Romans 12, 4, verses 4 through 8 says this, that we all have special talents. Every person created, God gave a special talent to, a special gift to, something that'll help, that'll be able to work. And verse says, just as, just four says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't have all the same function. So in Christ, we are many from one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And verse 6 of Romans 12 says this, that we have different gifts according to the grace given us. God's given each one of us different gifts. For Gary, it's the ability to take care of sound and to be, you know, be able to know how to fix things. I don't have that gift. I can't fix anything. Ask my wife. For Tom, he's got the nick for knowing how to run media and getting it set up correctly. For Nate, it's singing. We're leading us into worship. And for Travis, for taking my, almost my message every Sunday morning. And getting us excited about Christ. We all have a gift. And it goes through the list. It was if you're a server, serve. If you're a teacher, teach. If you're an encourager, encourage. If you're a contributor to, need, to, to others, let be a contributor to other needs of others. Give generously. If, if you're a leader, govern dil diligently. And if you're merciful, Show mercy. Can I tell you, we serve a little bit better and more comfortable and more joy when naturally when it's our, we kind of fit into that mold of our specific gift. And God understands that. But sometimes, you know, we have gifts that we don't even realize we have. Some, sometimes our skills and abilities, God is working within our weakness to try to bring them forth. I can't do that. Well, have you even tried? Is the Lord knocking on your heart to do something? Is he calling you to pray for someone? Oh, I, I, I. Maybe God's working on your weakness to expose a gift or a talent that you didn't even know you had. 
Sometimes somebody needs to step up. A mother is not well suited to protect her 12-year-old from a rapist, but guaranteed she's going to step up if she sees the need. You may be the smallest, least trained soldier in the fort, but if you see a, a, a hole in the wall and the enemy's about to come through, you better step up and fill that hole or be defeated. At 150 pounds, I know I don't look at today. Cameras, they say it make you add seven pounds, so I look a little bigger than I really am in person. But at 150 pounds in high school, they put me on the defensive line. I was the smallest person on the line, so I was the weakest link on the line. And I wasn't very effective as a defensive lineman, but at least it slowed the big boys down when they tried to get the quarterback. You don't have to be perfect, church. We've just got to fill the gap. We've got to be able to stop the enemy. We've got to be able to push him back in some way. At least provide resistance. And sometimes willing hearts must take priority over special gifts. Sometimes, it's again, it's just the need that needs to be taken care of. God is looking today for a willing heart to step up and say, um, there's some things that need to be done. I, I'm in. Where do I do? Where do I sign up, Lord? When someone needs comforting and comforting is not your gift, don't leave it undone. If you see somebody hurting or somebody crying, don't just go, well, I ain't getting involved in that. That person is needing somebody. Church, what are we here for if we're not meeting people's needs? What are, what are we here for if we're not being the extension of Jesus' hands that he's called us to be? I'm not good at washing dishes, my, my wife tells me. But you know what? Sometimes they need washing. So she bought this really cool new soap. It's a spray soap, right? It's called power wash. And all I got to do is spray the, spray the plate. And the soap does the job. I take a rag. I wash it. Man, it's squeaky clean. Made my job easy. But I can't leave it undone. I'll get yelled at. You get a pile of dishes. It looks nasty. Maybe you're not good at Maybe changing diapers may not be your gift. You may not be good at it, but for the love of God, please do it, right? <laughs> Fill the gap when you see the gap. You see, God is looking for someone. He is looking for someone to work at a few things. Building up the wall. Making repairs where we've seen that it's fallen apart. Picture a hole in a fort wall. You'd have to replace those bricks as quick as possible if, there was a, if it was a dam, per se. And you saw the water coming through. You'd have, to, you'd have to do something quickly. You don't have to be a stonemason or a carpenter. You can do something about the hole. Well, I can't witness, you know, because that's, that's not my job. That's the pastor's job. Nuh-uh. No, no, no. You're your own minister when you get outside these walls. You have your own circle of friends and family and, and, and your own church and field to plow to get a hold of. And so we can all do that. In this scripture that we looked at, God is referring to someone. Can I tell you someone, anyone to fixing what is broken and to strengthen our defense, our spiritual status. We, God's church, should be moving people to spiritual maturity. I think that's kind of lost. 
I think we got a lot of people in church today that are stuck in kindergarten. And no disrespect, but I think that's kind of where we're at. I'll give you first grade just because I'm a nice guy. But what happened to spiritual maturity? I'm just going to go to church on Sunday morning and listen to a message and that's it. Well, you still need to go home and you got to get involved in your own word and study the word of God. Yes. You still got to get your prayer life in place so that you can, you can get your communication with your father and be listening to the Holy Spirit as you are studying the word of God. So when you come in and listen to the pastor, you, it clicks. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, that's it. That's what I've been trying to teach you. And I tell you, mortality standards are being torn down constantly. We don't have, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that. We call it society, Hollywood, modernism. Can I tell you, it's, the, it's Satan. It's the enemy. And we need to be able to recognize spiritual hazards, church, when they come at us. We, we can't be blind anymore, church. We're at, a t- we're at a point in time in this life that we're living and in this day that we're living. We can't just go, uh, no, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and be focused and be the church again that he's called us to be. And there needs to be good, solid biblical teaching and training in righteousness so that the children of God will have a solid footing on which to stand and not be swept away so easily by today's culture. Especially our young people. Especially our young people. 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 and 4. Can I tell you, people need to be edified. People need to be built up. People need to be encouraged, strengthened, educated with the knowledge of God's will and His power. And part of plugging the whole church is getting in there and doing this. Educating people. No, it's not this way. It's this way. And it's that way only this morning. Yes. 2 Timothy 4.2 says this. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instructions. It doesn't say bite their head off when they're wrong. It says do it with love. Do it with correction. Do it with with patience. This needs to be a constant thing, church. We become, the world is selfish, yes? yes? Everybody takes care of their own. The church can't be like that. Can I tell you, we've got to be on the lookout for each other and amongst our own family first here and in the church as a whole. Hey, man, um, I've seen you doing this. I just want to make sure you're good. And I want to show you just to make sure if you need prayer and show you maybe where that's not right. There's nothing wrong with loving correction. And I think we live in such a political correct world, we're afraid to do that, church. Well, can I tell you, we better step up in the, in the gap today. Because political correctness is taking away God's word. Yes. It's undermining God's word. Someone must help people know the word of God so that they can go out and preach the word of God. They can go out and live the word of God. They can go out and, 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 and completely let it just saturate them and, and walk, walk amongst it. Someone must be repair the lack of knowledge of the word of God. 
So that people will recognize when a friend or a loved one has gone astray. Can I tell you, if you're just the kind of person that says, well, that person was on the third row last week. I haven't seen him in two weeks. It's not my job to reach out to him. Well, you're the one we're talking to this morning. Why is it the pastor's job? Why is it the connection team's job? We all can get a hold of somebody today. Hey, I haven't seen you at church in a couple weeks. How you doing? You okay? Can I help you? Can I pray with you? That's what we need to be, church. Worldviews need to be repaired so people can recognize what is clean and what is unclean. Can I tell you, there used to be a blur line back on the day TV, you know, they, they push the envelope on TV. Ooh, that's, ooh, yeah, that's, I've never seen that. There is no blurred line. We know what's clean and unclean, church. And it's right, there is no, there is no blurriness. It's yay or nay. Can I tell you, when it comes to the ultimate goal of life, getting into heaven, God says this in Revelation 21, 27, that nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Look, I don't care what name, where my name goes on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever my name goes. As long as it's in that Lamb's book of life, that's all that matters to me, church. Amen. And we can't have impurity. We can't have even the slightest of sin. I think we've lost how, how dangerous sin really is. And we've let it creep through the cracks of the church. And we've let it creep through the cracks of our walls. And we're a bit in, in some trouble, church. God is calling out for somebody to stop the flood, to stop the enemy from coming in, to stand in the gap this morning. Don't let this be said about us this morning, church, as he did in Ezekiel 13. You have not gone up to the breaks in the wall to repair it for the house of Israel. You have not gone Let God not say that about us, church. Let us stand and say, God, where's the hole? Where do I need to stand this morning? Let us be a people who will fix and repair the wall as we can. Let us always be prepared to step in the gap when needed, when called upon. But when is that exactly? Stepping in the gap is needed when a hole is breached. By spiritual conflict. Trev's talked about the spiritual armor almost every week that we've woke up. How important it is to put that on. It's a good thing. I mean, we, we put physical clothes on. And it's a good thing we do so for, for most of us. And it's just and it's as important, if not more so, we do so in the spiritual aspect. Amen. That we put our armor on. Because that's how we're going to be able to jump into this hole. That's how we're going to be able to defend against the enemy. So so how do we actually step in the gap? By doing this. And these are the kind of messages that don't make you popular. And I will not apologize for it. But we need to confront sin. Bottom line. In Ezekiel 22.2, Israel's sins included bloodshed. It included tearing people apart with their words. Idolatry. Covetousness. Misuse of power and position. Despising of holy things. They were even being irreverent during the Lord's, you know, during during the time that they were supposed to be with the Lord. They were despising of Sabbaths. They weren't even honoring that. 
They have a lot of sins going on there in Israel during this time. And there were a lot of it. And I tell you today, the same exact things happened in this very morning. The exact same thing in this nation and around the world. Gossip goes unchecked. Grumbling and slander go unchecked. Abortions go unchecked. Pornography goes unchecked. I can keep going if you'd like me to, but I think we get it. We don't need to list them all, but we do need to recognize that each one of these is a breach in the wall. And someone's got to step up and stop it. And can I tell you, it's not going to be the person that's being tempted or living in this sin. They're not going to do it. That's on us, church. That's on the church to step up and say, no, that is not right. Abortion is not right. And not because Sean says so, but because the Word of God says so. And God is the creator of life. And He's the one who calls me in death when I'm dead. Not a doctor. You see a gossip, Chris, you see a Christian that's gossiping? What do we do? Some of us, we turn our ears. Some of us, we join in. Really? Well, I heard. Can I tell you this morning, we need to step in the gap and we need to stop it right on point. Amen. We don't need to listen to one. You need to look at that person in love and, and, and careful instruction and patience, as Timothy tells us to do, and say, hey, that doesn't do us a bit of good here. That doesn't do us a bit of good. All that's doing is causing division. All that's being, you're being used by the wrong person this morning. Ezekiel twenty two twenty six 26 says, Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. How and when do priests do that today? All these all these pastors tickling their ears of their congregation. Not sticking true to the word where God says, I've called you to be holy because I'm holy. Amen. No, but sticking to a message of, here's my opinion about this and go and live that. Can I tell you this morning, Christians, as I mentioned earlier, we are priests. Amongst our own homes, amongst our communities, amongst our friends. And our job is to distinguish between clean and unclean. It really is that easy. It really is that simple. We're not, let me, can I tell you something? Can I say something that's not politically correct? We're not dumb. And we need to stop acting like it. Well, I'm not sure. That may be okay. Listen, if there's doubt, throw it out. How's the old saying going? Yes. Unwholesome words, crude jokes. Roots of bitterness. Can I tell you, confronting sin is a clear instruction from God. So guess what? God has given you the okay to do so. You're not doing it because you're thinking you're holier than thou. No, God's instructed us to do so as His church. In Galatians 6.1, He says this, Brother, if someone is caught in a sin, you, are to, to, you, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. If you see a brother or a sister involved in some kind of like uh, 
issue where they're messing around with somebody else and they're married. God says, hey, I need you to call out to them gently. Let them know this ain't right. This ain't the way we're supposed to be doing this. And yeah, they may get mad. And yeah, they may just say, hey, I don't want to talk to you anymore. But at least you can do your part by standing in that gap for that moment. And then it's their decision how they want to deal with it. But for us to stand by and say, well, there's a hole. Too bad. That's on us. We need to resolve conflict. We talked about this in messages in the past. Conflicts can and they will arise, even in church. And you know what? We're supposed to be able to work through them by the Spirit. And by, by God's truth, so that we can grow. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Find the truth in the godly spirit. Step in and help brothers and sisters understand each other. When there's an issue, we, we, we don't need to necessarily interject our opinion, but we need to be the mediator. If Nathan's got a problem with Trev, someone needs to step up and say, hey, you guys, let's talk. Let's pray. What's going on? Because we can't go forward if we're divided, church. We need to teach the truth where it's lacking. When you see people who don't know the truth, when you see neighbors that don't know the truth, when you see error that is being taught, don't be so shy to say, hey, that's not what the Word of God says this morning. Don't be so shy this morning, but stand up in the boldness of Christ and say, no, that's not my God's Word. Yes. You see, Ezekiel 3, God calls out and He says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman. For the house of Israel. God says to his church. I've made you a watchman for this day. I've made you the watchman. So that you can say hey. You're doing wrong. You're doing wrong. Listen it's okay to point out the transgressions of people. It's okay to point out the potential dangers to people. To give biblical direction to mor mor morality. Because we're talking about lives here. We're talking about souls here. We're talking about, Trev, you may pass away and I never get an opportunity to talk to you about Jesus Christ ever again. Amen. And guess what? Because of that, now you're living in hell for eternity. This is beyond your feelings, your opinions. What if he gets upset with me? That's beyond. You need to take the goal and step in the gap and be the church that God has called us to be. Again, their response to it is not our dealings. But we need to do it the way God has instructed us to do it. With love, patience, and gentleness. Can I tell you, are our, 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 our children unprepared for spiritual attack? Have we raised our kids with biblical direction? Who's going to teach them? Who's going to prepare them? Who's going to train them? Can I tell you, it's not just the church's job. It's not Miss Karen's job, the children's church workers. It's not the nursery's job. It's not the youth pastor or, or, or anybody else's job. Can I tell you, it's not just the church's job. It's your job behind the closed doors of your house. It's, it's your, whether you're an uncle, an aunt, whoever you might be. We need to be praying for folks, church. I think our prayer life needs to be turned up a few notches. 
We need to be interceding for people on behalf of their relationships with God. And that's exactly what we're doing every night at 8 p.m. Not because Sean thought it was a good idea or was given it from somebody else. No, no, no. This was something that was laid on the hearts. And we are going forward. And we are being consistent. Because God says, if my people. And can I tell you, I qualify this morning because of the blood of Jesus Christ that flows through through me this morning. And we need to be interceding for our our families, for our communities, for our nation and our world. And so God asked this morning, who's going to intercede? Who's going to step in that hole this morning? James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you need healing this morning, give us a ring, give us a call, and we'll pray for you. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I love that scripture. Can I tell you, we just need to be the church. We need to stand in the gap and just be the church this morning. Can you give maybe a single parent a breather to go get a shower? We're so busy with our own lives, but maybe you know somebody who can just use a few minutes of alone time. Just a break, especially now. Can you listen to someone's problem with a spiritual ear and not your opinionated ear? Can you offer prayer and encouragement to someone? Can you gently point things out that may be causing their problems? Maybe it's a sin in their life. Can you do that gently this morning? Can you encourage? Can you be patient? Show patience and understanding. Can you be a big brother or a big sister to someone who needs you? Can you be a mentor to somebody? And Titus 2.3 talks about this it says, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and their children and to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. We need to teach, church. We need to be the church that's pointing back to the word of God. To going back to the way, the life, and the truth, Jesus Christ. We need to be doing things that need to be done, church. These, are, these can be simple things for people if we would just get out of our comfort zone and step into the gap this morning. In this chaotic, stressful, even traumatic time for some, God's name still needs to be glorified. And we, the church, need to show the love of Jesus Christ to each and every person that we come in contact with, even more so today. In closing, I say this. So what? If no one steps up to stand in the gap, what can we expect? Ezekiel 22 answers that. God says this, I will disperse you among the nations and I will scatter you through the countries and I will put an end to your uncleanliness. And when you have been defiled in the eyes of the nation, you will know that I am the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of scares me a little bit. Can you think of a more drastic or detestable thing, even for us today, for us to be defiled amongst the nations or degraded in the eyes of other nations? There's some nations that would love to see that. And would that bring the fear of God back to people? Has COVID-19 
When Israel was in trouble, God looked for someone to say, I'll stand in the gap. I'll step up, God. He couldn't find nobody. Nobody in the entire nation of Israel said, I'll do it, Lord. And God had to keep his word. And Israel was leveled. I asked this church today, is you going to find somebody to step in the gap today? Are you willing to step in and fill the gap? To step in the gap for an unsaved loved one? For your community? For your nation? For the world? Unlike a football team, filling the gap does not necessarily depend on your size. When we're talking on the spiritual realm here, it doesn't matter how big you are. You know why? Because as a Christian, you have the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you. And he will give you the strength you need to stand in the gap. So I say this in closing. Let us be the church of God. The church that God is calling us to be today. And put on the full armor of God. And step up. And stand in the gaps to save our loved ones, to save our nation, to save our world. Are we up to the challenge, church? Are we okay just sitting on padded pews this morning? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We give you honor and we give you praise.